So, Jay, I know uh, we obviously had Dave Smart as our coach at Carlton. Uh, maybe talk about some of your funniest experiences with Dave. I can actually touch on one. I actually remember what I actually remember what actually that comes to mind right away. Um, we were playing Laurentian. I know you probably remember this game. Um, it was the year we actually won the national championship, but we were at Laurentian playing like shit. Um, but you were actually on fire. You had you were the only guy playing well on our entire team. You had like I think you had twenty one in the first half, and we only scored like thirty five or something in the first half. We go in at halftime, and Dave's losing his mind. He's losing his mind. He's just like, "Is anybody having fun right now? Is anybody having fun right now? Tell me. I really want to know anyone having fun right now." And you like, raised your hand. You're like, "I'm gonna have fun." He's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, Javeth. Fine. Is anybody else other than Javeth having fun right now?" <laughs> I think. Of, I think back to that. I'm like, the nerve you had to lift your head, <laughs> like. Holy shit. Oh I my don't ask me question. If you ask me a direct question, <laughs> you may get an answer. I was dying. I was dying. Oh my god. It lightened the mood so fast. We still ended up losing that game, but you played really well that game. I think I think you had a 30-point game on our team, which was really rare because of how many guys we had. But like you were legit the only guy that played well that game. Like, but we got them back when they came to us. I remember that. Yes, we beat them. Like, I hardly 60. remember that game at Laurentian. I just remember that we lost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when they came back and we beat them, I remember that. You were feeling good that. though. You're like, not on me. This loss ain't on me, guys. <laughs> this guy's. <laughs> You're like, this loss not on me. It's on you. <laughs> He's like, you guys need to play. <laughs> oh, I was dying. I was dying. Oh. What are some uh, some experiences that yeah, no. for you? <laughs> yeah, Dave did mention that he was on your show. He he told me that he's he was very funny and was one of your best like <laughs> your best guests. That's what, right. His right. words. <laughs> his words. He texted uh, you before this and said that he just wanted well, to let I was you talking know. to him earlier. You're talking to him earlier on the show. And he okay. was like, uh, he was like, oh, just so you know, I was really funny. I was really good. <laughs> <laughs> just remember that as the show's going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, <all right. laughs> even though it's not live he said that he would be watching it live he would eh okay even if it's not even though it's not live uh, he might text Come me to send it he might text me to send him the unfinished product just to make sure just make sure you did a good job <laughs> you know how he'd always pop up he'd always pop up from like when we're playing he'd just show up around corners like he's always trying to sneak up yes. on us yeah like you're in the very middle of something sneaky. he's like right there very called, sneaky like the guy from Mr. Deeds yeah that's what he used to say I remember I remember he used to say all the time, <laughs> but his track pants would give it away. I would always be listening. Like I actually have really good ears. So like, I would be like, I, I remember in study hall, like I'd be like, you know, distracted by something yeah. obviously. And then like, I just hear the, sh- sh- and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, good to go. Like I was oh, like, I was prepared. I was really prepared. Yeah. No, <laughs> you get really good at listening to the sound of track pants coming from a mile away. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, as soon as I hear those track pants, I grab a book and open it and pretend I was reading. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the same page from like three hours ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Welcome everybody to a uh, another episode of the Unscripted Flavor Podcast. And today uh, we have a special guest, uh, former teammate, uh, Carleton University basketball player, all Canadian, Constable Jaffith Masaruka. Jay, how you doing, man? And thanks for joining. I'm good, BJ. I'm good. I'm glad to be yeah. here. Nice, nice. So, I mean, Jay, I know, um, you know, first off, I, I want to talk about uh, athletes uh, combating racism. Um, 
Dave was had been on our podcast and you know he he shed some light on it and uh, I really want to have you on and shed a little bit more on, light on it because I do think it's important, especially with you know everything that's going on in, in sports and I mean we kind of see a lot of the activities happening in pro sports um, and there's even some happening in the OUA and it might not be as outlandish I would say but um, you know we're going to talk about the OU report that came out a few months ago but. Uh, first off, talk about ACR, you know, what made you want to get involved and, and did you actually help get jumpstart that, that organization as well? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, it's, uh, the whole concept of ACR had been in my mind for, for a long time. There's a lot of been, there's a lot of issues that have been going on throughout my entire life that I've been exposed to racial issues, um, things that didn't quite seem fair to me all the way through, like from when I was a kid till it just never stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, over the years, I processed it differently as I got more mature. Um, when the whole George Floyd situation happened, where when he was killed by that police officer, um, I got a call from Dave and we spoke at length about it. And um, we talked about the idea that that there is more that we can do um, and kind of wanted to find a way to, to reach uh, the community in a more hands-on way, you know, kind of way to kind of basically do our part to kind of direct the future of many, many young black youth in this city. Cause there's a lot of them that are, that are missing out on opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we, we started ACR with the idea that we can provide more opportunities for these kids, right. That are, that may otherwise be missing them. Right. right? We started in the Carlington area. That's kind of where we're starting and we're going to try to expand as much as we can, but we want to make sure we do it right and start off and make it something that's sustainable. So we have um, four major initiatives, the field trips, midnight movement, um, school tutoring, and a mentorship program. Um, obviously, during COVID, it's hard to, to maintain a lot of the personal contact with these kids, but we're trying to find different ways to work through it and work around it. But the main objective is to provide kids with opportunities that they may otherwise have not had and um, trying to level the playing field. That's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, and, and it's crazy that that George Floyd, uh, you know, obviously it's it's sometimes unfortunate that things like that have to happen for for people to take initiative. But it seems like you and Dave really, you know, want to step up and a lot of people can, you know, say different things and say, you know, they, they're, you know, against racism. But, you know, like you say, doing a more hands on action really shows the importance of it and, and really affects people. Right. And for the better. So. Um, maybe talk about like, you know, what was some of the most recent events that you've been doing with, with, you know, with the program? Cause I see you guys Instagram page and you guys are doing some amazing th things on there. And, uh, if you guys do have a chance, please go check it out. Uh, go check out the ACR, uh, ACR page, uh, on Instagram. But what are some of the most recent things you've been doing with the organization? Um, be any, any opportunity we get to get on the community. I mean, we were at okay. a three on three basketball tournament in Carlington. Um, we have a great group of guys who are involved, guys and girls who are involved that volunteer and come out to these events and, and play different roles within the organization that make it move. I mean, there's so many people that are involved from Charlie Catran mm -hmm. to like Kwesi Don to Shabu Tucker, all guys who you know, who right. play a huge role in, in, in getting this organization going. Um, more recently, we were at the Carlton Community Center for a, a hockey event. Um, getting outside of basketball a little bit there. <laughs> um, we we took the kids to Escape Manor, 
Okay. Um, Chris Bisson, St. Pat's guy. Yeah. He owns uh, Skate Manor. He he hooked it up for us. Great guy. Nice. Um, we've gone there a couple times. So it's a good thing. It's a good opportunity for the kids to get out of their their comfort zone and try something new, something different. Right. And uh, you'll see a lot of the shy kids who who start out the day. By the end of the day, are just nonstop talking, super excited <laughs> because they got to experience something, and some of them got to excel. Like there's right. one kid in particular who's very quiet, very shy, but he was finding all the clues. So by the end of it, he was our our superstar, our go-to guy. Right. Right. So right, right. It was kind of good to see him in that role. Right. Right. Um, right. So we're looking at doing um, a snowshoeing event next. Okay. Um, that's what we have coming up, and. Um, so we're trying to work that out with the Carlton Community Center uh, in a way that's obviously safe and adheres to all the COVID regulations. Right. Um, right. Yeah, which is again, a huge factor. Yeah. But we still got to make sure we're in line with that because everybody's safety comes first, right? So we got to put that into account. For sure. Um, partnering up with other organizations um, like IKEA and uh, who are willing to help out in terms of reaching the community and uh, and doing their part. So. Nice. Um, it's just, it's great, and there's a lot. Hopefully, a lot of things to come. If uh, once these um, restrictions loosen up, we definitely have a lot more things in store. And uh, so, if you just stay up to date, if you want, on our either on um, our Instagram or athletescombatingracism.org, our website, there'll be a lot of information on there. Nice. And I mean, you mentioned um, you know you mentioned Quasi, who's uh, head coach of of the men's team at, at Carleton. Mentioned Shabins, who also is a, a constable, former teammate at Carlton as, as well. Um, but then you mentioned Charlie, and we've talked about Dave as well. What do, you, what do you think is the importance of seeing white people involved in an organization like this? Oh, extremely important. Extremely important. Um, it, it's, it shows support. It shows support, and uh, it, it shows that it's not just that we're open to having whoever's willing to help out, right. whoever's willing to be understanding. And it's not a, and it shows that it's not a black versus white thing. Right. It's not really. It's a, it's a inclusiveness thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're trying to get everybody to see that, and to see the that the kids in this in the programs that we're trying to to run are are also part of the community as well. Right. So it's it's great having everybody who looks diverse within our program. That's awesome. That's that awesome, Jay. Yeah, no, that, that that's awesome, and and you know, I always find it refreshing when, like, like you know, you mentioned like you know, you and Dave talking about you know the George George Floyd situation that happened. And that's why you guys you know want to start this up, but um, it's refreshing when when white people get it, you know, when white people understand yeah. racism and when white people understand what white white privilege is. Um, I find it so refreshing. Like, what do you think? I do, BJ, because it's it's very tough because a lot of people kind of they have a difficult time seeing things outside of themselves. It takes a special person to kind of sit down and look and say, okay, this is not an issue that affects me directly. Right. And understanding the emotions and the feelings of somebody else and the struggle somebody else may be going through. Like many people will say that they, you know, they, they know black people, they understand black people, but if you don't think racism exists or it's an issue, then you really don't truly care mm-hmm. or feel for somebody who may be going through something like that. Right. So... It's definitely very refreshing to see that. Yeah, and it gives hope sure. that, you know what, like if they can understand it too, like, you know, maybe this can spread and be infectious and everybody can understand. It. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately the goal, right? Right, right. Well, that's awesome, Jay. And, and you know, again, uh, thank you for giving out the website. Definitely, you know, take take a look at it and uh, check it out and also check out the Instagram page. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, great uh, 
photos, videos uh, of the initiative that the guys are taking on there. So keep up the great work with that, Jay. Uh, it's good to see. Um, I, I do want to jump into the OUA report because uh, um, for those of you who don't know, OUA uh, Athletics actually came out with an anti-racism report. So what they did was they really it, it talks. It, I I went through it. It's a fairly large article. It's about 30, 38 pages, 35, sorry, 85 pages. Um, and what they did is they, they, they took account of how many, uh, student athletes, coaches, sports administrators, um, were white, how many were black, how many were Asian. Um, they calculated that up and really just, just, this really just shows that they're, they're putting the awareness out there, um, to see where there's opportunities for growth. And, and I thought that was very interesting that they did this. I think it was a great time to do it as well with. OUA on hold due to due to the pandemic. Um, what were your your biggest takeaways, Jay, from from you know going through the report? Um, I think it's great that the OEA took the time to actually take a look at 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 the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. but it's statistics. There's right. so many more things that play a role in where we are today. You right. know, they they took a look at the the minorities versus whites versus whatever who are involved in OUA sports. But that doesn't take into account, you know, the numbers of those same groups that are in university period. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you look at, look at that, I don't know what the numbers are, but it would be interesting to know what those numbers are in relation to sports versus right. college sports too, right? What are the numbers there? And when you do that, if the numbers are, what I think they would be, which is pretty similar. Why is that the case? There's right. so many factors that go into to, to why universities are reflect less of a less of minorities than, than you would in the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, the opportunities for kids to do homework, you, you take two kids, right? One who comes home, opens a fridge, has food, sits down, does their homework, has not much to worry about beyond that. Right, bills are getting paid. Everything's getting taken care of, and this is just the financial aspect of it. I'm not saying everybody who's a minority is going through financial issues or what the case may be, but in right. low-income housing, you may find people who come home and their now responsibilities are look after their younger siblings, right? Look after, worry about whether food is going to be put on the table or not, and and so many other things that come into their mind and concerns that are really their issues as kids before they even think about doing their homework. And then they go into a test and they got to write a test to get qualified for university. Well, they don't, yeah, they're writing the same test, but do they really have the same opportunity as prepared as, as the other, you know what I mean? Right. So if we can figure out a way to balance those scales by giving kids opportunities to, to do that, the numbers will reflect over time, but they won't be able to reflect just by saying, hey, let's put somebody in this spot because we want to even out these numbers. Because mm-hmm. what a report like that does is, is show a discrepancy in the numbers. Right. So to fix that, what worries me is that people will try to make the numbers add up. Right. And, right. That could, so, and then they're hiring people who, you know, probably aren't qualified is, for the role. Right. They're hiring. That in itself is a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what I would like to see is, is the preparation be there and, and people be prepared for, for opportunities when opportunities come. Right. And that's a long-term process. It's not a let's make the numbers add up. Right. Like, what are we going to do to make sure everybody has the equal opportunity to prepare themselves? That's the biggest thing is equal opportunity, right? That is. And, and I think you see that you see that with uh, you're seeing that with women's sports and men's sports and pro sports, right? Um, men are set up so well 
right? They have all these marketing opportunities, all these advertising opportunities. Um, whereas in the women, they're not seeing these opportunities and they're like, well, they're not making as much money as the men. It's like, okay, well, how can you expect them when they're so shorthanded from what the men are getting to put up the same amount of revenue as the men when they're not even given the same opportunities? Give them the same opportunities. And if they fall flat on their face, then they fall flat on their face. But you're not even giving them a chance. And I think this is something similar to that where it's like, let's give everybody an equal opportunity. Right. Equal opportunities from the beginning, right? Like not, right. I mean, on a larger scale, right? People will think, okay, yeah, everybody's writing the same test. Equal opportunity, not right. necessarily, right? It's a preparation <laughs> for the test, right? Right. So it would be good to see that. Then also, beyond that is uh, the psychological effect to, to the to the situations that people have been in throughout their lives, right? Historically their parents have been through, like all the racial issues people have had to deal with. That creates an image, an image that holds a lot of people back. Yep. Right? An image, by that I mean the way we're seen. Naturally, I know that I look more threatening than, for example, uh, the opposite of me would be a short, thin, blonde girl. Right. I'm a much more of a threat in the eyes of most people just by the way I look, right? right. So to change the image of that, and even media, TV, movies portray, are more likely to portray me as a threat. Over time, things are slowly starting to change, but the more we see more positive imagery of black males, the one who looks like the threat, the more mm. people see more positive imagery of that, the more likely people are to, to not be guarded around us. Right. Like to not be expecting us to be aggressive, threatening. You know I mean? So it's kind of, I think, considerations that need to be made when we're trying to go forward. Mm -hmm. I, I do appreciate the fact that the OUA did this report. I think it's a great, it's a great start. My question to them would be, okay, what now? Yeah, what's you next? Know, like, what now? It's great you did the report. It's great that we noticed that there are some some issues going on, but what now right what and now? just to so. share some of the numbers so um combined there are 500 5001 student athletes coaches and sports admins of all those 72 percent on average were white for student athletes 71 percent. i was actually shocked by that number i thought it'd be mm -hmm. uh a little bit lower than that a lot lower actually um coaches were 78 percent, and then men are 80 percent. it's not shocking that admin is the highest one right I mean, I think no. that's that doesn't shock me one bit. But I mean, to see that student athletes are seventy one percent, coaches seventy eight. I mean, it, it made me actually look back on our teams, and I'm like, I was like, how many how many people of minority did we have on our team? I was like, and I only, I thought of me, you, and Oz. And I'm like, were we the only ones? But our team's just one example. But like, you can go on every team, and it's probably less than that, right? If if mm -hmm. even so. Um, one thing that really stuck out for me as well was uh, some of the stories and experiences that uh, people talked about in the, in the report, right? Mm -hmm. um, one girl was talking about how um, the other white players were petting, petting her hair like she was, you know, like she was a pet, right? That was one experience uh, a woman had on one team. Um, one of the situations was a coach not... Um, asking a player a black player to come on a road trip because they assumed that he didn't have the money to go right that was another story that was shared on there and i'm just like 
holy geez, like, you know, have I been experienced to some of these in some way? Yeah. To that extreme, I, I can't honestly say myself personally, I haven't, but do, do you do any situations for yourself stick out, Jay, where you maybe were at a disadvantage or you were treated differently on a, on a team, um, you know, growing up? Um, when I first got to Carleton, it was, yeah. it was definitely a, a huge culture shock for me. Right. Um, I was, I remember when I first walked into that building, I was standing next to a sign that said whites only. And I'm looking at this sign because like, it's been here since like the university was built. Like what's going on until somebody pointed out that it was just a laundry thing. Right. So white laundry. I was like, I was like, oh man, but like that's where my mind went right away. Yeah. I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm I'm the only black guy here. And then I see a sign that says whites only, and then I'm like, oh my God. But that's kind of where my mind was going. I'm like, right. this place, what did I do? What did I get into? Well, that's but, probably because of previous experiences, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's what I'm saying, right? And a lot of our previous experiences shape what we see right. when we see things, right? And and that's goes back to what I was saying. Everybody has these ideas of what things to make things make sense, right? So Mm -hmm. when we see this, when I see certain things that I experience, maybe it is a racial thing, maybe it's not a racial thing. But a lot of times when you when you constantly are exposed to certain things that make you think, hmm, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and you sometimes feel alone. Right. Right. And at times you don't really know who you can or can't talk to and when more black people start coming around the team, I started to feel a lot better, more comfortable, more able to open up. But it was very uncomfortable for me, for sure, my first year. Right. You know, but uh, I definitely liked the Carlton environment. I liked how honest Dave was mm-hmm. with me, and, and I've always wanted to. I've always respected people who told me how it was. Right. And and I didn't want to be around anybody any different. Right. Like someone who'd flat out tell you how it was. Right. And I know everybody says they prefer that. I I really, really wouldn't have it any other way. I'd right. lose respect for somebody who just told me what I wanted to hear, right? Yeah. Which is why I got along with, with Dave so well. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from Dave is, you know, um, tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, right? And I think the first time that, like, I really realized, like, yeah, like, you know, I, I'd known Dave since I was, like, 14, 15 years old, but... I think the first time where I realized he like, you know, he was really in, in my corner was uh, on the provincial team with like Mike Smart, Matt Ross, Ben Dornkamp, Nate Dornkamp. Like, you know, I was, that was my first year on the senior team and um, I was coming off the bench and, and I was playing really well off the bench and, and Matt Ross was in my starting spot. Matt, Matt wasn't particularly playing the greatest. And, you know, by the third, I think it was the third game, Dave like told me I was starting and I was like, okay i was like that's interesting and i knew that he had known matt since he was like eight or nine years old coaching him and when he put me in the starting lap ahead of him that's when i was just like yo i really have respect for this guy <laughs> like you know he's not looking he's not like not that i thought he was but it just kind of when he was just like yeah you deserve it you you've been playing really well matt's it helped that matt was, wasn't playing well obviously but like he's like you're playing really well why why wouldn't you start why wouldn't i i'd be stupid not to put you in the starting lineup and then he kind of looked from a selfish point of view he's like i want to win <laughs> i don't want to lose so i'm gonna put you in the starting lineup. but no mm-hmm. i just you know it, and again it was the experiences before that where i probably wouldn't have 
been given that opportunity because because I was black and because that coach had known that player for so long and he happened to be white, right? So that was just something that stuck out for me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely good to, it's, it's definitely refreshing to have somebody who can kind of be honest with you and open with you like that. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Um, what I wanted to talk about next was um, the history of St. Pat's basketball. I think this is a good opportunity to talk about this. Um, for those of you who don't know, an article came out highlighting our 1999-2000 St. Pat's basketball team. Um, and, you know, a uh, lot of good from it for sure. Uh, highlighted specifically at uh, Dion, who was, you know, well, uh, Jay, Ali, uh, Maboud, and Ali Vixamar as well. And um, really just highlighted, you know, uh, what basketball did for them as far as uh, throughout their life and, you know, what it did for them back then as well. And, and also touched on, you know, the success of that team. But really wanted to, what I want to talk to you about, Jay, is about the entire history of sports, of uh, St. Pat's basketball, because it doesn't start with that 1999-2000 team, as we, know, as we know, and as we have discussed as well. Um, maybe talk about, you know, uh, your early years at St. Pat's and, you know, what that experience was like and, and, and the success that you guys had as well. And what, what blows my mind is how people can talk about St. Pat's basketball and not mention Paul Joseph. <laughs> right. No, right. Like, hands down, Paul Joseph, I will say to this day, the best high school basketball player at St. Pat's. Hands down. I'm going to take like, it a step further. The best high school basketball player I have ever seen. Me personally, yeah. right? Same, same. Not even St. Pat's, not like Ottawa. I'm not talking Toronto, like province, like yeah. the best basketball, high school basketball player I have ever witnessed and seen. Uh, he was insane. I like, it's hard to play with that guy and not just watch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I felt like I was there to watch. I'm just like, oh, I got a good seat. This is great. Get the, when he passed the bar, you're like, I'll take it back and do something. Just imagine like, something amazing. <laughs> it was so much fun to watch him play and yeah. to to think that people may not remember him yeah blows my mind blows mm -hmm. my mind but you can't talk about high school basketball without mentioning him right. um he's pretty much the one that started off for st pat's right he's pretty much started off there were guys who played before but when paul started playing basketball that got the rest of us all to want to play basketball right and I, I remember I tried to wa walk like Paul and like move like Paul and you just couldn't. The guy was yeah. so smooth, like off and on the court. Like yeah. I tried to shoot like him for a little bit. And I couldn't make a shot. And I was like, that's not working. <laughs> like I tried so many yeah. things. I pretended like I didn't have basketball shoes and I rang it. I, I knocked on his door and asked him if he had any beat up, beat up shoes that I could borrow. And I had a perfectly good pair at home. And I was just like, I just want a pair of Paul's shoes. They were like, he, I think he wore a size 13 or 14, so they were like two inches too big for me. And I was just like, I got Paul Joseph's shoes. And they were so they were so beat up. These Reeboks that were so beat up. Oh my God. But like I you're so right, Jay. I remember like at the play, I never got he was old, way older than me. Like when he was in OEC, I was in grade grade eight. But I was always used to like try and track you guys down at tournaments. I would come watch your games. My brother was on the team, so I tried to follow you guys and um, I honestly just feel like it's a shame that you, it, like, <laughs> and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, to, to put a buzzkill on any article or anything like that, but it's just like, w when you talk about the success of St. Pat's basketball, you kind of touched on it, Jay, 
you can't start with you guys. You can't start with, you can't not start with Paul Joseph, Japheth Masruger, Eber Ephraim, to, uh, Tony Najamanti, Sigmund Charles, um, Shabin Tucker. You can't not start with you guys. You guys started and paved the way for the success that we've had for the last 25, 20, 30 years. Like, that's just the case. And that may, probably made you feel really, really, really old. But, but you, you guys, that's a long time. (laughs) That's a long time. But you guys just did. You guys just did. And so I just think it's a shame that, like, you know, that isn't mentioned. I tried to mention it. They chose not to publish it to, to each their own, but I'm mentioning it now, uh, on, on this platform. (laughs) But maybe just talk about, you know, the, the success that you guys had and how it all kind of just came together and how it started. And, and the vibe you guys have, because you guys, to me, you guys had like that Fab Five Michigan, like kind of like culture. I swear, you guys started the black socks, black shoes. You guys had like the the reversible black shirts. Don't think I don't remember that, because I remember that. Uh, <laughs> you guys just like, you guys were all about that culture. Like, just maybe touch on that a little bit. Um, well, first of all, BJ, I will say I enjoyed reading the article about your team. It was, it was very good. I enjoyed it. I just, if it was to be about St. Pat basketball in general, which it wasn't, it was about your team and success you guys had. Yeah. Then I agree. You do have to go back to the Paul Joseph days. But all that, all that is, is coming from Paul. He mm-hmm. had like a whole aura about him. Like he was very skilled. But then like when he was in a room, you didn't have to see him to know he was in there. Right. You know I mean? right. He was one of those guys when he walked in, he felt the air change. Right. You know I mean, like this guy, the way he moved, the way he talked. On top of that, he was a brilliant guy academically. Yes. Yeah. Like, brilliant guy academically, which was a, yeah. you know, a, so to, to see all the stuff that he could do. And he was the first guy doing it. You know what I mean? So we all wanted to be a bit of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He kind of led us that way. And, and it affected the way we moved, the way we walked, the way we talked. We... I didn't really play basketball because of what I saw outside of that. I played basketball because of those guys, mm-hmm. right? We, we all kind of got together playing ball. And then Shabin came in St. Pass too. Like we all were there since grade seven, eight. I was in grade seven when Paul was in grade nine. Right. And Ebert and Sig, your brother, and a couple other guys were in grade eight. And then Shabin came for grade nine. And we just all kind of started playing together. And so we all got better together. And we wanted to beat the older guys around the, the city. And that's what basketball was about for us, mm-hmm. right? And we were, we were from St. Pat's. We were St. Pat's. And that meant a lot to us. You know, that meant a lot. So we wanted to be the best. And that's why we played. Mm-hmm. No one ever thought that, oh, I want to go here or go there and do this with basketball, do that. No, it was just, it was just to be as good as we can and be the best in the city. Right. right? And for me, uh, financially, Basketball is an easy sport to play, yeah. right? Because I mean, camp. I asked my mom if I can go to camp. She's like, "Well, there's camp outside." <laughs> so you got that. So that was my camp, right? Right, right. So I wanted a basketball. She's like, "Someone out there has a basketball. Why do you need two? You can't play with two. So, so I borrowed basketballs from people all the way through. Right? So, yeah, you know, so yeah. So it was it was definitely a, an amazing experience growing up, like with with starting basketball that way. Yeah. And and then watching the younger guys come up playing basketball, watching you guys and your group come up was always a sense of pride for us because we were still very attached to St. Pat's as far mm-hmm. as reputation, as far as, you know, that's our history. That's where we come from. 
right? And um, we feel that when we go to other schools, you know, like we were mostly black kids, yeah, you know, and that turned into a cultural thing for us as well, you know, and it led into how we saw ourselves and how we felt other people saw us, right? We were yeah. always described as being athletic. And we know what that meant. That, that, you know, <laughs> athletic, yeah. you know, very athletic yep. team. Right. Right. <laughs> are you saying we're athletic or are you saying we're athletic? <laughs> like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, and we definitely had, had issues at other schools that we go to that were predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And we'd had racial, I'm not going to name them school or mention the school, but there were some racial issues that came up at a couple of schools. Yeah. Same um, here. Yeah. Yeah. In turn, we, we definitely took the opportunity to give them a ridiculous beating. Yeah. And the coaches left the starters on to just really, really give them a ridiculous beating on the court. Yeah. Right. But that was kind of our way of saying, hey, you know what? Like, we're here. We're not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. This is who we are. And this is, you know, and and after being around that, experiencing that, and knowing that our guys had each other's back, it was such a relief to to have that tight group of guys who you knew were were like you going through what you were going through when you were going through it. You know, which kind of for me was a big draw to that group of friends and basketball and similar interests. And when I left high school to go to university that's when it was that's why it was such a huge culture shock right because it was such a big difference all of a sudden i felt alone right you know right. Like, okay these guys aren't here anymore and now i'm hearing different jokes and every time i heard a joke i'd be like well, what does that joke really mean right because i don't find it that funny you know what i mean so it was a big learning curve for me but like i said those days were amazing and, and being able to play with those guys and i'm like being my best friend still to today like uh you know, I, it's very, very, very a proud part of my life. Right. And a proud part of my life. And, and every time I see St. Pat's doing well, I feel like, you know, I had a little thing to do with it. You know yeah, what I mean? like I, absolutely. You know, I had a little bit to do with it. So. Absolutely. Always checking those scores and seeing, like, the updates and stuff. And I do, yeah. a part of me wishes that, you know, I do, I, I, I did go to more games and I checked in more. Um, oh, for sure. But, yeah, no, that like walking like the times i've walked through there it's brings back a lot of memories and like you know just like i'm remembering that gym is getting packed and like the door the divider being open during playoff games and and things like that like there's just so much history in that gym so much success so many championships um i remember uh very well because like you used to always you know be like you know i'd be going to a game or whatever you see me in the hall and be like don't go lose that game today man don't go lose that game. Like you didn't want any reputation being tarnished of St. Pat's. And I always just tried to make sure like, I was like, I'm not going to let those guys down. Like I am not going to let those guys down. And uh, yeah. I just remember a game of two on two that you, you, I, I felt like you were like really testing me to see like, you know, if I was legit, it was you and Dove. Um, and you like forced me to play um, and uh, against myself and John and, and, um, I felt like that day, like I kind of proved something to you because you gave me a couple licks and I gave you a couple licks back, and uh, and uh, it just turned into a competitive game. And in the end, I felt like after that, I kind of earned a little bit more of your respect. But um, that's just something that kind of I like those one of those things that I, I just don't forget. Like I know what you're trying to do there. Like you're trying to see if I got something in me, and and yeah, you've uh, always kind of done that along the way, and I've always appreciated that. 
No, it was good, man. You always did well. You always did well. I was always proud of your your, your performance. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad when you came to Carlton too. I was like, yes, you got it. Yeah, until yeah. I was I was late. I was like five minutes late for our weightlifting session. You're like, all right, well, we're not gonna lift weights again. <laughs> you're like, you go with left weights on your own, but you're not lifting weights with me. <laughs> I was never late again. I was never late again after that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god no i appreciate you talking about that jay i mean um you know i think one of these days i think uh i think i would like to see like a you know a really good documentary come out about the history of st pat's basketball i think that's something that should get touched on um hopefully we could find an uh a producer publisher author to write about it <laughs> <laughs> a journalist that you know maybe touched on played a little bit of sports in their background we'll see but uh, no, I appreciate you touching That's on key. that, man. That's key. That's yeah. key. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Jay, thanks for uh, hopping on for another uh, episode of Unscripted Playbook. I'm sure we'll have you on again. You know, good luck with ACR. I hope hope that goes well. Um, do you want to just maybe uh, let them, let everyone know the website to check out and the uh, Instagram page? Yes, yeah, athletescombatingracism.org. This is the website, and uh, yeah, you can just look it up, Athletes Combating Racism on uh, Instagram, where there's ways you can kind of get involved. If you want to get involved, check out the website. There's many different opportunities to get involved, whether it's financially to help fund the next outing that we do, or just volunteering, you know, getting out there in the community, being involved, um, reaching out. And BJ, I truly believe that um, changing the mindset of the community at large will make a huge difference um, within our community. Um, for instance, I, I do work a lot in the Carlington area. And city councilor is a great guy, mm -hmm. but his major concern is traffic, traffic initiatives. People may be running a stop sign here and there. And for me, I, I see things differently, but his concerns are that because the people that complain to him are concerned about traffic. Mm -hmm. People that don't have time to complain to him they're the ones who have real issues. They're right. the ones who are who have housing issues, who have social economic issues that they're really trying to struggle through. And they don't have the time to go call their city councilor and complain. They're trying to work multiple jobs and get through. So if we can remember those people, and some of them may be our neighbors, and reach out and see what we can do to help them out, that'll definitely make a huge difference. You know, and it's like I say, it's, 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 it's going to take a lot of us coming together. It's going to take so, a team effort. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. <laughs> well, it looks like we're well on our way and hopefully uh, let's make a dent. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks a lot, Jay. All Appreciate right. it, man. And thanks everyone right, for thank listening. You, DJ. Of course, man. And uh, everyone remember that black lives matter. Take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks.